Welcome to the Strategy Mom Podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me in another episode of Strategy Mob. Today, I have two very special guests. I have both Melanie and Lori with me today, and we are going to jam and drop some knowledge bombs when it comes to marketing <laughs> and branding. There's going to be some laughs, maybe a handful of four-letter words, but a lot of three-letter acronyms. Um, so we'll get this thing started. But, but before we get into our conversation today, I thought it'd be cool to kick off the podcast with a couple origin stories. So Melanie, I'll start off with you. you know, how did you get started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry? So I was working for a publisher in New York City. And when I was working for the publisher, I was working inside and I wanted to be more customer facing. And I happened to know someone who worked in the car business. And I found out about this role through a company at the time that was called BZ Results. I don't know if you've ever heard of it before, but if you've worked in the car business for a very long time, like the last 20 years, it was a little technology company that was based out of Rhode Island. And they had these websites that would have flashing lights on them and everything was moving. It was like uh, the first type of GIF, but it was for a website. <laughs> so at the time, yes, exactly. So I worked for this, um, for this company in New York and I found out about this opportunity through BZ Results. Now, BZ Results, right before I had joined, was acquired by a company called ADP Dealer Services. And so ADP Dealer Services was looking for younger men and women to represent them in the field because they had a whole motley crew that had come over from PC Results. So they were looking for a little bit of an image change from what they had previously. So I guess I had fit the bill and I started working for ADP Dealer Services slash BZ Results. Um, then they ended up acquiring a company called Cobalt. And that ended up turning into CDK Global. And now it's evolved into another company called Synchro. Uh, but that is how I got started. And I did some consulting and so forth um, over the last you know, 10 years. And at the last tech company that I was at, I happened to have a client by the name of Tom Maoli who had an auto group called Celebrity Motor Cars. Celebrity Motor Cars consists of several Highline stores, including BMW of Springfield, Lexus of Route 10, Maserati of Morris County, Maserati of Bergen County, Alfa Romeo of Morris County, and Mercedes-Benz of Golden's Bridge, all based in northern New Jersey and New York. So we're very close to New York City, probably about 25 miles outside of New York City. The Mercedes store is a little further out. And so I actually had a previous relationship with the Lexus store. And when I became connected with Tom, I showed him some ways that he could be doing things differently, and he had asked me to come on to work for them. And that was in January of 2018. So I've been here ever since. And I handle all of our marketing. So I'm the vice president of marketing. And anything that would connect to marketing, advertising, branding, compliance, social media, uh, you name it, if it touched events, it all rose up under me for all the different dealerships in the company. And Tom also has some other businesses. He's a real estate developer. He's got um, locations all over Northern New Jersey and New York. 
And so whenever they need help with any of the real estate stuff, I handle the marketing for that. And he's also launching um, a startup called Joe Zone, which is going to be a coffee business that will be competing with Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks coming soon, um, <laughs> among some other things. So, so Melanie is not so, really so you're just, busy, you're slightly, is what she's telling yeah, us. <laughs> She's good. We, we we could just tack on a couple yeah. extra things there. Have have they Jason, asked you, you to clone yourself go yet? After her. Right. Why are you making me no, go I after drank her? A- why did <laughs> I I drink a lot of caffeine and I don't sleep a lot. But I uh, I love what I do. And so when you love what you do, it's really you know, it's it makes it a lot easier to get things done and do it quickly. That's totally that's totally true. You know, it's funny. I find for a lot of us in the industry, on the vendor side or the dealer side or the operations side, it's like there's not a lot of people that just like woke up one day and say, hey, I'm going to go into the car business. It seems like everyone's right. kind of fumbled or tumbled or I got conned, right. um, you know, uh, to get into the business. You know, someone's like, hey, Jay, you like selling stuff? I was like, yeah, sure. You know, why don't you come work at this dealership with me? Little did I know he got paid a $500 referral fee for me working there. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> Lori, for yourself, <laughs> now, how did you get started in this crazy little world we call automotive? Yeah. No, it's so funny because I'll just follow up quickly when you were saying, you know, it's funny how you get in. The other funny thing that I always joke with people about is like, there's no way out. Once you're in, you're in for life. Like you're done. So um, I'm kind of along the lines of Melanie, like I've been in it for decades. I started at Chrome Data back in 1999. So I actually started when like Chrome rebranded as the new Chrome.com, which was like the big thing in the 2000s. Um, Worked there as the marketing programs manager for a few years, never expected to be in automotive as long as I have. Thought I'd like quickly jump in, get some expertise and jump out. And um, a mentor there helped I just started feeling really um, just sort of unsettled and a mentor there helped me jump out, start my own agency in 2003, Charisma Communications, which is PR agency, and they became my first client. So I've been working since 2003 in PR for automotive and I've worked with everyone from... Primarily, we were vendors that sell into the dealerships, but we also have worked with manufacturers, some dealers for launch, and we've kind of every facet of the industry we've helped um, brand, create their messaging, and handle public relations for it. That's so cool. Um, yeah. you, because you've been on both sides of the table, you know, kind of like myself. Right. You know, you've seen you've seen it from the OEM side, from the dealer side, from the vendor side. That's so cool. You know, um, speaking about branding. You know, I, hate, I almost want to find another word, to be honest with you, because, I mean, how many times do you go to a conference right now and you'll hear the word about 1,500 times? Right. You know what you need? I'll tell you. You need a <laughs> brand. That's what yep. you need, you know. But, uh, but I mean, it is true, though. I mean, I, I think as an industry, we, we rely so much on our manufacturer's brand that as as a dealership, you know, we don't really necessarily take the time to develop out our own brand. But I also think the word is used so loosely. And I'm right. just kind of curious from the two of you, now, how do you guys define a business's brand? Like, what does that mean to you? Melanie, I'll start with you. And then Lori, I'll ask you the same question. Okay. I think a business's brand is the heartbeat of that business. I feel that it should resonate from the inside out. So mm-hmm. whether that's the, the culture within the business, 
or it is the services that the business is selling, they should all be intertwined as one holistic energy. No, it, it is. Is I, I find that the brand kind of has to. It's like connecting the dots, right? Right. Do you guys, you guys ever do the? I was. I remember as a kid, we'd go on these like road trips, and my parents would buy me these like books, and it was like <laughs> just drawings of connecting the dots, you know. And it would take yep. hours to do so. And and I feel like for that's kind of what a brand does, you know, for for companies, it kind of connects those dots. But I feel, and I want Lori, of course, I want to get your thoughts on this too. Sure. Is for a lot of people out there, they think they define the brand, and and and, and in my opinion, is that the customer is actually what's defining the brand. It's how it's how you're being perceived as a business. Lori, what are, you, what are your thoughts, and how do you define a brand? Yeah, I think that is such a good statement to make because I was going to also say, I mean, I think Melanie's absolutely correct. Your brand needs to go across every single area. However, I do think a brand, you have two different sides to brand, right? Which is what you're pretty much talking about. One is the way you're perceived by your customers, and that is actually your true brand. And then one is the brand that you can create inside the dealership. And the hope is that those two actually come together and connect. The reality is the majority of the time, what your customers think of as your brand and what you think of, of your brand are two very different things. And the other thing I would say is for a brand, you can definitely cultivate it. It's very important to create it, but it needs to come from the personality of usually the leadership team. So you're going to want to try really hard when you're branding. Um, and I, I'm with you. I hate the word branding. It, it truly should just be like... Uh, I don't know. We need to come up with a different word, like your per the personality of your company, right? Because it truly is like, what is the personality of your company? And that comes down from your management team. So I think a brand is absolutely something you can create and cultivate. But if you, if you ask the question, what is your brand? And someone doesn't know, you do have a brand. You're just not in control of it. <laughs> so your question, Jason, reminds me of a post that you had put yesterday on LinkedIn. So you had put this post on LinkedIn about a Lexus dealership and how someone who you knew went to a Lexus dealership and they received some items after the sale and they were so happy with their experience. Yeah, it was, it yeah. was, it was, it was a blanket. They received a blanket <laughs> and they were really happy with their experience. And um, it's within the Lexus brand, so to speak, from Mr. Toyota all the way down, the culture of the Japanese people is interweaved within the brand. And until I started working for a group that had a Lexus dealership, I didn't necessarily understand it. And what your friend had experienced is what in the Japanese culture, it's a form of hospitality and it's called omotenashi. And so omotenashi and this is how celebrity basically, you know, handles all the guests, all the employees is that you want to make sure that everybody feels like they are a guest in your own home and everyone is treated well when they walk through the door. And so that is a big part of the brand. And I think that within the car business, the manufacturers are also a part of the brand and the, you know, the retail franchise stores also, they're all kind of entangled together with the one brand, but right. 
the guest experience and the employee experience should be very consistent in terms of how they are treated. And it's something that we all hear about dealerships across the country. Well, this dealership is a great dealership to work for and this one isn't. And and it shouldn't be that way. It should be, they're all great places to work and it's a great right. industry to work in. <laughs> and that's all part of that brand or package that you receive. So, no, you know what? Um, the first dealership I worked at had a brand um, or a culture and it was all around making money. Um, so I learned <laughs> that sounds a lot. Like but that's also good too. But, but that's you know what though? It was, it was in, it was in, it was in that stereotypical way that people don't want to do business with them. Right. I mean, I remember, you know, my GM walking around with a stack of hundred dollar bills, you know, like this thick. Right. And you know, if you did this or got that or sold this car, or did this, he was just tossing out money. Like it was just nothing. And you know, it started with the staff and I, I love the fact that when you guys said brand you you didn't just talk about just you know dealer to consumer you know where i think the core of a brand really does start with our staff and yeah. you know in this dealership i mean they had a brand they had a culture around ripping people off and i learned a lot about what not to do and you know knew that the day when i was going to own my own dealership it was never going to be anywhere close to that it was a, an education of what not to do um but I, but I realized that how we treated the staff directly affected the brand perception between the consumer and the dealership itself. So I, I get the question asked a lot, like, how do I define brand? How do I create a culture? And, you know, you guys have all had the opportunity to meet many, many different dealerships, you know, going to the conferences and stuff like that. And I'm sure you've probably seen the same pattern that I see is that, you know, happy staff creates for a happy yes. customer and Absolutely. you know i'm kind of you know i want to get your guys kind of thoughts on a dealership out there that's trying to identify their brand you know how do they start developing that brand with their staff in the hopes that it'll eventually kind of spill off mm -hmm. into their customers uh laurie i'll start with you and then melanie i'll yeah. ask you the same question yeah i mean i think that's such a good statement to make. It absolutely starts inside. And if you're treating your staff well, and they all are on the same page on what your brand is and how you treat your customers, then that's absolutely going to relate. Um, one of the dealership groups that I've worked with that does a really nice job at this is Lithia Motors. They really, I mean, they are a huge dealer group and yet they've been able to create a brand that has been able to work across the dealerships that they've purchased and acquired. And I know personally that a lot of that is from going, they go in and teach that brand and say, this is a way that we want you to uh, respect the customers. This is the way, like for instance, just kind of one uh, example of like having a staff based thing. They do a women's leadership group like once a year for a week. And it's all about women and it's internal for the staff. But I mean, what a way for a dealership to show that they support and value the women that work for their company. So I think things that you can do internal for your staff like that, like a women's leadership group. I've heard a lot of women who talk about um, companies. In fact, Melanie, this may be celebrity. So tell me if this celebrity is one that does this. But like uh, someone was telling me their dealership gives out um, like we'll buy VIP boxes and then give out game day tickets to the employees and their family to go enjoy a day. And they've said that makes such a difference. Like that's that one small thing for them makes it for that dealership. And so, you know, I think 
going back to your original point, the better you can treat your staff and the happier they are to work at your dealership, that's going to show through to the customers that come through the door. You know, I agree with you. I, th- I think, though, for a lot of dealership, it just sounds like a good idea, you know, right. and, and it's, it's what I feel like they have to process it because if it's not a a solid in stone developed process, then, you know, it's it's just another good idea. I mean, you know, the um, the, the women's development events, right? If that wasn't mm-hmm. processed out and committed annually, well, it right. probably wouldn't have only done one or two. And then it was like, yeah, you know, it's kind of a lot of work. I don't like it. Right. You know? So, exactly. I mean, Melanie, for yourself, you know, um, creating that brand, I think there's a lot of processes that go into that. Do you guys have some of that? type of process on on how you treat the staff and kind of ensure, I guess, staff happiness? Yes, we definitely do. So at our Alfa Romeo and Maserati dealership, we have something that is truly unique in the auto industry and we have a full female staff. So from the management team down, we have a female GSM, we have a female finance director, we have a female service manager. And it's something that is truly unique that the owner here has been promoting women within the company. So I think when you talk about, you know, internal culture, I know that previous to me working at a dealer group, I had no desire to work at in a, in a retail environment because I thought that I would not be able to, as a mother to two children, be able to manage the hours and to manage life and be able to do it. And what I discovered is that I actually work for an organization that is so family friendly and so family first. And, you know, if somebody has to take a kid to a doctor's appointment, if you have to pick your kid up from school, if something happens at the, at the dealership, it's not a problem. You go and take care of what you need to take care of. If your nanny can't come, if something happens, my kids come with me to the office. So it's, it's internal culture that kind of flows out and it's, it definitely humanizes working in a dealership. And I think that if more dealerships, you know, across the nation and in Canada, if they were more family friendly, you would attract better talent. And I do believe as far as women goes to people would feel much more comfortable working, you know, longer hours. They know that if something happens, that family is number one always. And that's something that I don't see a lot of, and it exists within the organization that I work for. I also think if you're coming from a brand perspective in terms of, you know, trying to have more of a community outreach to kind of interweave that into the messaging of your dealership or your business and make sure that, you know, when it's bring your kids to work day, that that's, you know, highlighted on your blog and it's on social media and, you know, have family type activities in the service department. So when your kids are with you, when you're getting your car service, you can have coloring books and puzzles and things that have the brand's car on it that they can color on. So I think definitely creating that culture internally is just like little tweaks and process. Well, you know, it's it's little tweaks for some, and for others, it's monster, monster changes. And for an industry that doesn't typically change quickly, <laughs> it, it can be a pretty big deal. I mean, you know, we we have the term in the industry, bell to bell. 
And that's just when I got into, I actually remember the first interview I did getting a sales job was, are you okay working bell to bell? Of course, I didn't want to admit, I had no idea what the hell that meant. So I was like, sure, no problem. I can work bell to bell. You know, little did I realize that's open to close almost every single day. And you know, I'm finding, and it sounds like Melanie, your group has done this, is that if you're going to define the brand, you're going to define what the brand means. You know, it's mm-hmm. not enough anymore to say that you're family owned and operated. Like I don't, I don't even think it's a brand and a horrible message, right. by the way, as well. But you have to define really what does that mean to be family owned? Well, family right. owned, you're family oriented. Well, you know, you can't be family oriented and then expect your staff to work bell to bell, six days a right. week you know, and never see their family or never go home to their kids. Or if they, you know, if, if, you know, they got a delivery coming up or a customer coming in and, you know, someone calls and they got to go pick up someone from school or something like that. And you're like, okay, well, no worries. I'll give the deal to somebody else. Like that's not, (laughs) it happens. It happens all the time. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, but you have to, you have to process that. I mean, I, at my dealership, I was working on a four day on three day off schedule, which everybody told me was never going to work. And I'll be honest with you, it worked amazingly. You know, it's like I had four solid days of attention and then everyone got three days to relax, recharge, get what they need to done so they come back and, and just and just really, really push through it. Here's another one that I, I think holds us up from creating a brand. I want to get your guys' thoughts on this is the way we pay our employees. Like I, I know I'm gonna probably gonna I'm gonna get some emails on this one I guarantee it. <laughs> like I honestly I'm in the opinion that I want to kill commissions. You know. Yeah, you. I feel like you're like spot on there, Jason. I know you and I both are gonna. <laughs> Melanie may have a different. <laughs> well, I, we're, we're gonna find out in a second. <laughs> but I think when you. So I speak primarily to women right now because I've been doing a lot around women in automotive. And I know Melanie's a huge proponent of women in automotive as well. But the funny thing is I'll go out to them and say, okay, what, what, what can you do? What can you create? Uh, What can these dealerships do to really bring you in? Number one is flexibility. So exactly what we've been talking about. But number two is like a, a type of fair pay scale. So most of them honestly don't even really like this, like dog eat dog culture. They, Mm -hmm. I feel like, I feel like you would have some success if you said, look, we're going to pay you a salary and then certainly bonuses and things for sales. But, um, I, I, I think the time has come to maybe like explore this issue and talk about it. What are your, what are your thoughts, uh, Melanie on kind of pay structures? Do you feel like they kind of hold us back? from getting to that holy grail of branding that we want to get to? So I think with sales, you have to have some sort of incentive. I don't necessarily oversee the sales team, but I work a lot with the sales team and I'm in enough of, you know, the daily interactions where I know what's going on and what's happening. And I do think that there are some people that would be demotivated if there was no Mm -hmm. commission structure and, I think that being able to reward people with having higher salaries who are, you know, working more and, you know, creating more business and creating more of um, a community for, if you will, for themselves. So for example, so there's a gentleman who works at our Lexus store and he has been at this particular dealership, I think for 25 or 30 years. And I like to refer to him as social media 1.0. Because every single month consistently, 
he sells anywhere between 30 and 40 cars, even when wow. he's in Florida and he's not even in New Jersey, he's still selling between 30 and 40 cars. And he is in his seventies. He's in his mid seventies. And it's amazing to see someone who didn't have social media, didn't have digital marketing, and is just doing it all the grassroots, you know, traditional ways of networking and business. And, you know, he belonged to a golf club and he worked his network and it's unbelievable. But I think that there are a lot of people out there that rely on the dealership to provide them with the leads and provide them with the business. And I do think that there should be some sort of an incentive for someone who's out there and who's promoting the dealership and who's promoting business. And, and ultimately the incentive will be is that more people will come buy a car from that individual if they're out there and consistently promoting themselves every single month on LinkedIn and on Instagram and Facebook and whatever the social channels that they want to focus on. But I do think that I'm more of a do the most with the time that you have, not necessarily the hours that you spend. So for me during this whole experience with COVID, I've been home with a five and six year old. So I have had to come up with some serious strategy in terms of how am I going to be the most productive? How am I going to be the most efficient? How am I going to get done all the stuff that not only I was supposed to do, but that also my team that no longer exists was supposed to do too. So now I'm doing all of that. So there will be bursts of time that I have to get a lot of things done. But then, for example, like last night, I was up until like 2.30 in the morning doing work. Um, I was home. I wasn't in my office, but I was home. But I do think that, you know, in any sort of role, you should be looked at by, and Lori and I have talked about this before, about activity and what you can you know, what you're able to do. And like Lori was saying, that will definitely attract more people. And it's just, it's more of, I think, a newer way of thinking Yeah. Um, versus, you know, you have to be there from nine to five, or you have to be, you know, in the showroom from eight to seven or whatever the time frames are. Or even the pay. Like, I think it's really interesting that all of this stuff that we're talking about, like Jason, for instance, why couldn't they just do a hybrid model? Like, so different people are motivated by different things. And I think no matter what we're talking about, whether it's flexible hours, pay, branding, I think it gets down to like, let's really start targeting the people that are working for us and the customers that are coming in and start having a flexible solution for anyone, depending on where they are and how they want to work. I think those are going to be the winning dealerships at the end of the day. And even tying back to Jason's question about, you know, culture and brand. I think even just having the conversation with someone as a manager, just saying, you're doing an amazing job. I just want you to know that you're doing awesome. Yeah. And just having that conversation with someone, I think, although it doesn't necessarily tie into compensation, but it definitely does something to someone's confidence that will make them feel good about what they're doing and where they're working. You know, and for for that to work though, you have to process it. Because what will happen is you'll get the idea You'll do it for a few weeks and then it'll just kind of fall off. You know, yeah. um, I, I'm a firm believer right now, and this is coming from a marketing person, that marketing is not going to help us sell cars moving forward. Um, my operations manager is going to hate the fact I just said that on a podcast. And keep in mind, you um, have a director of marketing <laughs> and a head of PR for on here, Jason. Right? I know. Like, what am I saying here? What am I saying here? But, but I, I do feel like we are going to have to process our way to profitability. And, you know, and, and that and that includes everything. It's it's like it, look, the consumer wants to bite into a brand. They want to oh, 
want to own that the other but they have to know that story and um, for us to create that experience that is the brand all right we have to we have to process it and melia is an amazing idea you know being able to talk to someone like that um you know laurie i actually did a hybrid um i got really sick and tired of watching employees treat customers differently based on the vehicle that they were coming in to buy and you know it's like someone came in to look at a mitsubishi mirage i mean a little tiny go-kart of a car you know or a Cadillac Escalade. And I just got tired of seeing these customers get treated entirely differently. And, you know, right. really, and, and I couldn't blame, I couldn't get upset with the salesperson because on that car, the commission could have been twelve dollars or $1,400. On that car, it probably would have been a flat of maybe a couple hundred bucks. You know, right. so the time that they invested in the relationship they created, you know, some people were good doing that organically and didn't care. But, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't blame. I couldn't get upset because the compensation was there. So um, yeah. I didn't pay any commission. I paid them a salary. I made incredibly clear expectations of what they had to do for that salary. All right. And then um, I created a bonus structure based on the volume. So it didn't matter if that person was coming in to buy a, a used uh, Chevy Impala or a brand new, you know, Tahoe. All right, that right. customer was going to get treated the same way because the compensation didn't change based on uh, who was coming into the door. So th that that was, but but again, that's that's very polar opposite of what a lot of dealerships are. Well, and how did do. it go? Did it go well? Oh, well, did I lost employees. I lost a handful of employees okay. because uh, they okay. weren't making as much money. But the cool okay. thing is that I attracted some new outside talent that would have never considered the automotive industry to be their space. And they turned out to be amazing, amazing salespeople and eventually yeah. amazing managers and so on and kind of so on and so forth. And I'm looking at this right now with everything that's gone on, you know, with a pandemic that we're in, you know, our industry had to drastically change. I mean, yeah. overnight, how we communicate, how we deal with the customer. I'm feeling like I'm, I'm loving this change. I know it's a horrible time and I want to try to. You know, but I'm, I'm loving the change and I want to try to keep that snowball effect of change moving. And I think the next best mm -hmm. place to do that is in brand and is in marketing. And Melanie, you kind of mentioned that. It kind of goes into my next question for you guys is marketing. It's like, what do you guys feel from a marketing perspective? Should we be marketing right now as a dealership? Um, mm -hmm. Lori, I'll get your thoughts and Melanie, I'll ask you the sure. same question. Yeah, I think that brands that I'm seeing both be most uh, they're creating the most success right now is this idea behind we are one-to-one -one relationship dealership, which means we are not here to ensure that the masses are happy. We know exactly what your needs are, how to help you when you come in and be attuned to you. And like one dealership who's done an amazing job at this over the um, coronavirus time is Eric Gale out of the uh, Carnali group. And he created this program that was called the, uh, I'm trying to, I will get it wrong and everyone's going to be mad at me, but essentially what it, what it was behind the scenes is they will help in any way they can, which means if someone called them and said, I can't get to a service, my service appointment, because whatever, I don't have a car, they would come pick them up. If they said, we are really having trouble with payments right now because we lost her job. I've lost my job and I haven't had a paycheck in five months. They'd say, okay, we're going to work with you. But the whole idea behind it was. Everyone's an individual. So we're going to meet you where you as an individual are and, you know, work on your needs. So I think the, the most successful branding I've seen coming out of this time is 
we know where you're at. We will work with you on whatever it is. And let's come out of this together where we're both happy. I think that's awesome. Um, I think the messaging, the, the successful messaging I'm seeing right now has that human element. Yes. It, it's, I mean, you know, the manufacturers let them do their 180 day deferrals and their 0% interest till, right. you know, 20 years from now. Um, you know, the never, never, never plan. Um, right. But, but I, I feel like if you're wanting to connect with someone at a person level, then you have yeah. to connect with them. That's something that they see value in. And that's oh, yeah. no, and what we do that with our customers is no different than how we have to do that with our staff, right? We were talking yes. about earlier, well, flexible hours, you know, be, being, tr trying to customize. And I like, Laura, you could mention earlier about possibly even customizing the pay plan to the individual. It's no different right. than kind of what we're doing right now. We're customizing our sales efforts or our service efforts to the individual. And I, and I love the fact that as an industry, we're doing this. I just want to concede to keep it going. Melanie, kind of your thoughts on, um, you know, messaging and branding and marketing, you know, what should we be putting out there? What do you think? So over the last four months, it's, it's been interesting to say the least in terms of, you know, no one, this, no one had a playbook for what they should be putting out there. So, definitely. And you have right now two schools of thought about what is happening with COVID, right? There are people in our country that think that it is nothing. And there are people who think that it is something. So you have to be mindful of both those sets of people with putting together content and creative. So one of the things that we have been doing from the very beginning is just letting people know that we're open and how we can accommodate them. So they, it almost was like, this was the training portion for anything that could come up next for the dealership in terms of, we had digital retailing in place. We already had the ability for a guest to purchase a vehicle on our website. We already had pickup and drop off for service. We already had you know, remote deliveries. We already had all these things in place, but we weren't marketing it as much as now we are, as we are now. So now what our focus primarily is, you know, we are open. We can accommodate you in any way that you please. Obviously we are also following any of the state guidelines that are out there that we have to follow. And we just want to make sure that people feel comfortable when they walk into the dealership and they feel safe because that's also important. Um, but we also are focusing big on relationships. I mean, that is something that Lori had mentioned that we want to make sure that they feel like they are in a good environment to bring their family in. And if they're not, that they know that someone would come to their home and that they know who we are and that they would also be comfortable with that as well. So definitely comfort is a, is a factor. And I just wanted to mention something, Jason, that you had asked before about talking about, you know, internal brands, sorry to jump around, <laughs> but you had talked a little bit about, you know, branding and the culture and how that kind of resonates. And the one thing I was thinking was, you know, we, at our group, our COO was in the hospitality industry for 30 years. Mm. So he worked in hotels, managed hotels. So the way that a lot of our leadership meetings go have it. They're very inspirational. They're very powerful. And they talk a lot about other people and it's not necessarily, you know, for myself, right? So I work in marketing, I'm not customer facing. So the one thing that he always says to us is if you are not servicing the customer, then you should be servicing someone who is 
right? So if you see garbage on the floor, if you saw garbage on the floor in your own home, you would pick it up. So if you see it outside the dealership, you would pick it up. If you see it in the showroom, you would pick it up. You know, a lot of us are here so much more so than they are with their own home. So to create that family environment, to create that synergy in the store, it definitely comes from the top down, as Lori was mentioning earlier, Mm -hmm. but having an element of hospitality and treating guests that way I believe will help significantly with changing a culture within the dealership, just from what I see every day. Yeah. No, I'm with you a hundred percent on this. I mean, you know what word we're using and it's a word that we do not use in our industry much at all. Flexible. (laughs) We're being flexible here. Talk about four letter words. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm a perfect example. Right. I'm a perfect example of that. Since, you know, once the the state of New Jersey was shut down, I went to my COO and the owner and I said, look, I need to work remotely right now. Is that okay with you? If I'm able to do that, I will get everything done and I will do it timely. And I will make sure that everything that I would normally do here, I'm doing remotely. And they said, no problem. Yeah. Well, so I mean, talk, talk about point. creating a message that defines our brand for both mm-hmm. our staff and our customers. All right. That is something that I want to hear. I want to hear that from my employer. I right. want to hear right now from my employer that, hey, we're flexible. We know there's, there's shit going on. All right? right. There's stuff you're going to have to do. Kids are at home. Right. This is going on. You know, maybe your spouse is not working. Maybe right. you know, maybe you have to go travel and see family. It, it, I, th- I think that's it's just a word that we just don't use often enough, and right. and I think that's a marketing message that uh, plays and resonates both with our staff and our customers. Is like, how can we be flexible? So let's actually play with this. Let's go on this a little bit. So so you know, okay. I mean, Lori, uh, I'll ask you. I mean. What, how would you describe or how would you kind of market that message of flexibility uh, to to a consumer and to a staff and to a staff member? Sure. So I think maybe the cool, would be really cool is if they could do it both ways. So what would be neat is if you were flexible with a staff member, let's say, um, let's say they needed to stay at home. Okay. So this, this thing is not going away, by the way, in the fall it does not sound like our kids are going to be back in school full time anyway. So this is going to continue. So really, let's say it's um, a mom who's working for the dealership group or a dad, like I don't mean to be sad, or a dad. Let's take a dad actually, who wants to, he needs flexibility because his kids are at home. They're now at home. They're doing school from home. So what wouldn't it be cool if the dealership was flexible with them on that. And then they wrote something that was on their blog or across their socials saying, Hey, this is Jason. So-and-so. Um, you know, here's his three kids. They tell a little bit about him. I mean, I think that's one way that's really interesting of like, let's be flexible with our, again, I feel like I continue to go back to like, it kind of starts with your staff. If you're good to your staff, they are going to talk to their friends. They're going to put on social. And it's kind of like, what ways can we show that flexibility? So like you're saying on the process, let's put a process for flexibility, but then how can we show that we're a family friendly company? We don't, we don't just say we're a family-friendly company. You show your family-friendly company by being flexible with your staff. And then maybe, um, or going back to an example I gave before, if you're giving out sports tickets, let's say, for your families to have a great night out, take pictures of that family having a great night out and post it on your social and say something along the lines of, you know, right. they're having a great night out. By the way, 
anyone who comments below can also win tickets for a great night out. So I think it's, I think it's like tying together the flexibility and happiness of your employees and how that trickles down to customers. Melanie, for yourself, when you kind of hear that message, you know, of a dealership, they want to be, they want to be flexible with their staff. They want to be flexible with their customers. How do you kind of translate that out into a marketing message? Well, I think it ties into what we were talking about earlier, where you have, you know, two different schools of thought right now happening, right? Amongst everything in the world. So I think when you can communicate that you have options for everyone, regardless of, you don't necessarily need to put anything with regard to you know, masks or no masks. There are many schools of thought to that too, because some people don't want to see the masks in commercials. Um, some people want this to be over and they visually would like to see things the way that they were and kind of be the beacon of light and hope for the guest. So, you know, that you're on the same page, but internally you can have the messaging up within the dealership that you're abiding by whatever the guidelines are for, you know, the state and so on. But I think definitely if you want to come into the showroom, we are open and we can see you and you can test drive and you can have a cup of coffee and you can sit down or you can sit outside. Um, mm -hmm. Or if you are not comfortable coming in, we can drop off a, a loaner vehicle to you. We can pick up your vehicle and then we can drop it back off later. So I think providing, you know, all the options Mm -hmm. is a great way of communicating, you know, those items to your guests. And, you know, with what Lori was saying with regard to employees and like she said, you can't just say you're family friendly. You have to actually create action. You have to do something yeah. to show that you're family friendly. So, you know, anyone who works in this company knows that if something happens with your family, that the owners are a hundred percent back you. They know that, you know, you're going to be okay and you have to do what you have to do. And at the end of the day, you're going to do your job. So they trust that you're going to get it done. Um, I know that's not the case everywhere, but it's definitely a, a one way to kind of communicate that. And like Lori was saying, you know, people will talk about it. I mean, I, I'm talking about it right now. Yep. So people who are watching this, who are in our industry, who are in my area, who potentially could be looking for a new place to go might say, Hey, yep. you know what? I think I should look at one of those dealerships because, you know, they are family friendly and you'll attract better talent. I will say too, if I can jump in real quick, I did see this one dealership during the pandemic do something so awesome with their marketing. They used their social media platforms, their website, a lot of their consumer facing stuff to highlight what they called local heroes. And it was like firefighters, nurses, um, teachers and they would do like a profile of the person give a little bio and just say thanks we're here for you we we're so happy that you're in our community and i just remember thinking wow this is whoever was behind this program is doing it just right cuz that's a perfect way to show your community or you know minded you're i don't know flexible really but that's the type of company i want to go work for if they're going to be posting local heroes. Like I just thought that was a really cool example of someone using their time and space during the pandemic to really show that they're community minded. And so getting back to branding, if their branding was, you know, we're a part of your community, which I'm sure it is, they really showed that and followed through on that with the, that program. 
I, th- I think that's a great way to do it. I think, you know, supporting local. See, you always have, yeah. to, mu- have to have multiple strategies, right? Um, right. I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, really what we're talking about right now is that people want options. Like people are people. Mm-hmm. Staff members are people too, right? And, right. you know, I, I, I have one dealership. I thought it was amazing what he did is um, as staff was coming back, he was actually giving them the option. Like here, you have the option of coming back as a full-timer, as a part-timer, and this is what wow. this means, Okay. Because there were just there, there were a lot of people out there like I, mean, I couldn't go back full time right now. I get the three yeah. monkeys outside beating right. on each other, <laughs> you know. So it's, it's but it, but it is everybody wants options right now. So I think yes. that's 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 a marketing strategy that needs to be put in place right now. If anybody's watching and listening right now and you are spending ad dollars, you got marketing messages out there. This needs to be a a, a message that needs to be out there. The message needs to be that you have options, mm-hmm. you know and. Let's face it, our industry is not known for being flexible and having options, right? There was, you know, for the last 40, 50 years, there's one way to buy a car, and that is to come on in. Um, yes. <laughs> and then let me walk you through my 12 points, you know, sales process. And oh, oh right. you don't want to take a test drive? Tough shit. You're still going to do it. Um, <laughs> exactly. But as there was right, COVID, that's going to change. It, it I is, mean, right? We were talking about this the other day. As a result of COVID, you're going to have people who have been in this industry for a long time that are going to leave. And you're going to have a lot of newer people that are going to come in because they're going to be attracted to some of the marketing and advertising that other dealerships or businesses are doing where they're saying, okay, that sounds like a great place for me to work because they are flexible. They do have options. They are family friendly. And that's the kind of place that I would want to be at. So hopefully the new talent that comes into the industry you know, as a result of COVID will also be very positive. Yeah. You should have options. And, and, and that's, so that, that needs to be a, mar- a strategy. And then Lori, you, you nailed it on the head with the other strategy. We do need to have a strategy around community. I get so yes. sick and tires of dealerships telling me that, oh no, no, we're up, we're, we're, we're a part of our community. You know, I, I stick right. a car down at the rib fest right. annually, <laughs> I stick it all up. I got a couple cars in the mall right now. We're, we're totally in the Good. community. Come on. Like, yeah. that's not community. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like put your money where your mouth is, support local, get out there, show them other businesses that are struggling. Like, everybody's struggling. Dealerships are actually doing quite well right now, but there's so many yeah. other that are struggling. You know, I think that's great. It's community and options. Those are two amazing messages. Here's the kicker, though. I'm going to throw this at you. And you know, I love slamming on the OEMs for this. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's a four-letter word that comes with a lot of other four-letter words for me, and it's co-op. All right. Yes. <laughs> Everything we just, you realize that we just had this amazing conversation, identifying these awesome strategies and messages that dealerships should out there be doing. But here comes the OEM. Eh, nope. Right. Not going to give you any money for that message. Um, yeah. I, I want to get you guys' thoughts on this because... I mean, my thoughts are a lot of four-letter words, and everybody knows that. But Lori, I'll start with you, and then Melanie asked yeah. you uh, the same question: this co-op addiction, this co-op compliance. We know what we should be putting out there. In messages. Right. What are your thoughts on co-op, Lori? I'll let you answer. So I think they can do both because I understand the excitement of co-op. I really do. I mean, if someone were to say, "I'm going to give you money back to market yourself every month," I'd be like, "Awesome! Tell me what I need to do, and I'm there." So I get it, but I do think the the key terms that we're talking about here, like um, you know, community, flexibility, showing the staff, saying we're family friendly, those are not necessarily co-op friendly 
terms or words. <laughs> so it doesn't mean that you can't have co-op. You should absolutely be getting all the co-op you can. I, you probably don't agree with that. I think go get all the co-op you can. However, also fund some of these other messages and uh, marketing strategies through money, through other buckets. Like it's okay to use co-op, but let's use some of the other buckets. And really it comes down to what you were saying at the beginning of the show. What is the most true to your brand? What is the most true to your personality? And have the courage to like make the decisions based on that, not necessarily what you're going to get the most money back for. That's totally true. I mean, I, I just got into an argument with the dealership today where they're just <laughs> like, Jay, it's an amazing idea. I want to do it. I'm not going to get any money for it. Um, but I'm not going to do it, right? But I'm not going to do it. Oh, yeah. It drove me nuts. And you can't blame them, but you can't blame them. I mean, if you can says, and you can't. Because, you be, because like I'm coming from a dealer's perspective now. Yeah. And sitting on that other side of that table, you know what? Right. You know, manufacturing keep their money. You know, because I know why my deal, my why my customers want to do business with me, and it's 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 how I impact yeah. the community, how much I care about the community. I'm gonna put my money there, and I'm gonna put my money where it's like, look, look whatever it takes. That's what that would be my model. Whatever it takes, mm -hmm. right? Whatever yes. option you need, you need me. And Melanie, you were talking about earlier. You need me to come to you. I'll come to you. You want me to meet you at work? I'll meet you right. at work. You want me to leave it out in a parking lot and the bag, the key in a bag, and we'll just kind of talk from a distance. Hell, we'll do that too. <laughs> Toss it across. <laughs> but Melanie, I'd like to get your thoughts on the uh, the handcuffs that I call co -op. My favorite thing to do <laughs> is co-op and compliance. <laughs> um, there's so many things that I can say about co-op and compliance. But one thing that I will say, I'll start with is, all of the manufacturers that we have were extremely supportive and extremely easy to work with during this entire COVID process. And as someone who is doing all the pre-approvals and doing all the submissions and dealing one-on-one, -on -one, whether it's with Ansira or ACB, that's me. <laughs> and they have been, it's been, it's been a lot easier to get that messaging out. I have not had any issues with, you know, whether it's a banner ad or some other type of message that we're putting out. I have not had an issue with it. I also have a different thought process as well uh, with regard to co-op because the way that I see it is it's really the owner's money. And a lot of times I get phone calls from vendors that are part of a manufacturer program and they're constantly talking to me about co-op money. And I just want to be mm -hmm. like, please stop, like stop talking to me about co-op because we're not even factoring in co-op right now. That's not the number we're looking at. We're looking at our budget and what our budget is and mm -hmm. the co-op money is just gravy. And that's money that's just, you know, coming in for the store, but that doesn't factor into our decision to go with um, a specific vendor or program. Um, but with with all that being said, co-op is definitely up until the COVID experience has been very redundant and monotonous and it's very time consuming. And um, I do it for all of our stores and it's it takes up a big percentage of my time when we're actively doing media buys, um, you know, at the beginning of the month and submitting everything from the previous month and so on and so forth. But I think that dealerships will find that if they start incorporating different messaging into their strategy, whether it's them doing it with their agency or working with a vendor, 
to put some of the messaging about community, to put the messaging on about, you know, the options that they have, that the dealership is open, that they offer pickup and drop off, and you could do curbside deliveries. The manufacturers are going to be all for it because they want to sell cars. Yeah. So I do think that they're going to be okay with it to incorporate some of that messaging into it. Well, I hope that's the case and I hope it continues to be that case. Um, and I, like I said, I mean, our industry has gone through such a, a shift and a change and uh, we've had to adapt really quickly. And I just hope, right. and I'm just praying that, that that snowball effect of change doesn't stop and that it continues. Um, you know, I know we were going to, I know we're running a little bit out of time. I know we wanted to talk a little bit about the vendor client relationship. Um, but I think what kind of what we talked about is almost kind of the same thing. I mean, yeah. if, if I'm on the other side of the table right now, the vendors that be coming to me, I want to know that there's options, you know, right. like I want to well, know. And don't you think also, I think also I'll be quick about on this with the vendors, but that they truly care about you and your business. I think that's what it really is. Like the folks that I work with. Um, Melanie and I have laughed about this offline and my clients know this right now. I hand select the, the clients that I work with and like, how lucky am I to do that? But they have to really connect with me on a personal level because I want to feel like I'm excited to help all of these vendors get to the next level. And if you don't feel that way, then it's just not there, at least for me, like I can't fake it. It's, so I think it doesn't matter if you're talking about a dealership, a vendor, a customer, a staff member, everybody wants to feel stoked, right? About working with this company. And so if you can create a brand that makes people stoked for working with your company or being with your company or shopping with your company, then you're golden. It, it, and that's totally true. I mean, it, it's with the customers, it's with our vendors. You know, I made a comment earlier today on one of the posts that EQ is the new IQ. And, yes. and, and I'm feeling that that needs to be a bigger part of our marketing messaging moving forward is that we need to have more of that, that emotional intelligence when yeah. we go when we go to put our creative together our marketing message together it's just big discounts and low lease rates and big deferrals i just don't think is enough like we want to yeah. connect vendors want to connect with the dealerships dealerships want to connect at that human level to the customer and to their staff and to do so that's just, they, they have to have that at that core they need to be flexible they need to have those options they need yeah. to have eq i would actually start you know it's as much as as many sales trainers as i see out there and i love sales trainers i really do i foresee i mean we're gonna see a lot more people training on emotional intelligence yeah. and emotional selling and emotional um, marketing. So I hope that's the way it goes. I, I, I know we're getting towards the tail end of our time. We could easily do this for another hour. Um, <laughs> um, but Jason, you know, I, I will say that the one thing that I think is important in the messaging is obviously, you know, you're open and that you're flexible and you have options and you're building community, but letting everyone know what the programs are and making sure that it's everywhere. Yeah is yeah. something that I think if you can find a dealership that has all the programs, that has their website up to date, that has specials on their site, that is also incorporating community, mm -hmm. that's gonna attract someone over someone who doesn't. Right. Oh, I, I totally agree. Uh, look, a, a customer wants to know how much you care before they know how much of a discount you got. And, and I think if we can lead with that message of showing them our emotional mm -hmm. intelligence, then me being able to come in and present what those programs are, it's like, okay, cool. 
Like this is like I'm feeling good about this, right? Right. Um, <laughs> I, 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 before I let you go, I want to ask one last question, and I know you guys both have to get going. Um, I ask everybody this, but it's one of my favorite questions. I love getting the answers. I always get pretty crazy answers with this one. But if, if you were to be, if you were able to change one thing in our industry, all right, what would that be, and why? Lori, I'm going to put you in the hot seat first, yeah. and then Melanie, I'll ask you. <laughs> I got well, it. <laughs> I wonder how like, often you yes. hear this. Like, it's funny, though. <laughs> so you probably hear this a ton. I mean, honestly, if there's one thing I would change, it's the amount of women that are involved in the automotive industry. I think in dealerships, in, in uh, you know, on the vendor side, on the dealer side, in the CEO positions, in the OEMs, I just think women bring so much to the table. And really, when you talk about EQ, that women tend to have a higher EQ. And so there's just so much more that they can add. So I think really everything we've been talking about on this episode relates to how can we create a wider and more diverse uh, situation for folks to come into and feel comfortable, regardless of whether they're male or female. Let's be honest. Let's get more females in. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm with you 100%. I mean, some of the best managers I've ever had work for me were women. And I, I agree with you. Their natural EQ, like I, right. I feel like I had to do more training and coaching with my male yes. staff, where it just yes. came a little more natural with my female staff. Melanie, right. Melanie, for you, if you were able to change one thing in our industry, what would that be and why? Okay, so... I had some time to think about this since Lori went first. <laughs> so my answer to you would be more inspiration. Mm, and what yeah. I mean by that is what I find is that in the retail environment, there is not a lot of outward positivity to help grow and cultivate inspiring environments for other people to learn from. There are so many people that I have met that you guys have met over the course of your career. And a lot of time people don't share what has helped them, how they have gotten to where they are and almost taking on a mentor role for other people who are in the industry, um, other people who are in different roles, yeah. providing them some sort of a pathway in terms of growth and know how do you advance yourself and how do you learn more and and how do you grow more so finding someone to inspire me is not as difficult because i feel like i've figured a a, a recipe for how to get that but i hope to inspire others by the things that i learn and that i see and i would love to see other dealerships across the country um, who are able to do more of that and Lori and I have talked for a, a social media success story ourselves because we met on that day. That's right. But, <laughs> but we've talked a lot about mentor and having, I think, mentors provide a lot of inspiration to other people, whether it's a young man or a young woman yeah. or someone who worked in finance who finds themselves in the car business, being a source of inspiration for someone else. And that's tied in with being a mentor. So if there was one thing that I could change in our industry, it would be to provide more inspiration for others who love this business just as much as the three of us do. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I would, I would love to see dealerships actually sit down to have a meeting to discuss a strategy about how they're going to 
inspire their staff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I would say probably less than 20% of the dealerships I've ever worked with actually have a defined uh, career path for the wow. people that come on. You know, I mean, I don't know about your guys' experience, but That's I would say amazing. it's probably, I might be generous at 20. It may be low as 10%. But, you know, it's pretty much you come on as a salesperson and then you're like, that's it. You know, it's like, you know, when I had someone come in, you know, the gentleman who wanted to, the, the young man who worked for me that was our, our lot attendant said that he wanted to be an F&I manager because he heard that's how people made the most amount of money. Well, I yeah. had to show him like, this is what it would take. Here's how much time I would think it would take for you to develop into that person. And uh, right. uh, it was cool because about six months ago, I actually got a DM from him and I haven't heard from him in years that he was now a GM oh. Oh, that's so at, cool. at a dealership. And, and I was, was like, holy crap. In, right? <laughs> yeah. Of course he was with that like work ethic coming in, knowing where he wanted to go and having oh, yeah. the mentor take him there. Like, of course he's a GM 12 now. years that's later, awesome. 12 years later, the guy's a GM. It was amazing. Um, hey, before, awesome. before I let you guys go though, uh, for everyone that's watching and listening right now, uh, that would love to connect with you and kind of follow along with your journey. What is the yeah. best way to do so? Lori, I'll start with you and Melanie, I'll ask you the same question. Probably LinkedIn, Lori Halter on LinkedIn. My company is Charisma Communications. You can go to our website, but Melanie I, and I laugh. We're on LinkedIn all the time. So go to LinkedIn, connect with me. I would love to connect with any of your listeners. So that's awesome. Um, Melanie, for yourself, what's the best way to connect with you? Same thing, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is my go-to for <laughs> pretty much anything, entertainment, <laughs> knowledge. <laughs> I mean, that's my LinkedIn. So Melanie Borden on LinkedIn. Awesome. Hey, thanks again so much for taking the time to jam with me today. This has been a lot of fun. You guys have yourself an amazing day. Thanks so much, Jason. Thanks for tuning in to the Strategy Mob Podcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to sign up to be a mobster at strategymob.com to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting. <laughs>